If you have ever sat through a criminal court case or uh, perhaps watched an authentic courtroom drama on television, uh, you will know that after guilt has been established and before sentence is passed, the guilty person's lawyer has the opportunity to address the court to offer what is known as mitigation, factors that might persuade the court to see the accused in a more sympathetic light. And as I thought about today's service, uh, it occurred to me that Quite a lot of people in the Easter story might benefit from that kind of treatment. There is Pilate, for instance, the political leader at the time, clearly guilty of handing Jesus over for crucifixion. And the mitigation? Well, he did try to avoid it. He tried to reason with a hostile crowd. He made it clear he didn't approve of it. Perhaps he was guilty, if anything, of political expediency. And then there is Peter. Three times Peter denied that he knew Jesus. Guilty. Well, the trouble is, he's a bit headstrong. He tends to speak without thinking. But I think, perhaps with encouragement, he could have some future in the church. And then there's Thomas, our subject for today. Thomas, who refused to believe what his friends told him. Jesus is risen? Survived crucifixion? Listen to me, said Thomas. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I won't believe it. Doubting Thomas. His name has come down through history as a way to chide anyone who does not believe. When I suggested to my youngest son that my football team might not escape relegation this season, he said, don't be a doubting Thomas. Well, I fear I have more reason to doubt than Thomas did. But how do we defend or justify what Thomas did? That's what I want us to think about. Not long before the events of Easter, Jesus had suggested that he and the disciples go to Bethany, where they receive news of Lazarus' illness. But this was dangerous country for Jesus. People had tried to stone him there, and the disciples tried to dissuade him from going. And it was Thomas who said, if we look back in John chapter 11, let us also go that we may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. Was Thomas being sarcastic? Well, was his voice the voice of doom and despair? I don't think it was either of those things. I think Thomas was rallying support for Jesus among the group. And and Thomas loved Jesus enough to go to Jerusalem with him when others were hesitating. Come on, chaps, we're all in this together. We shouldn't leave our leader to do it on his own. Thomas did expect that Jesus would die. He might not have understood it, but he expected it. But of course he didn't expect what happened next. And it seems uh, after the crucifixion, uh, 
Thomas, uh, it seems, withdrew to grieve alone. There's no mention of him being present on Resurrection Day. And certainly the first time Jesus appeared to the rest of the group, Thomas was not there. And the news that Jesus had come back seems to Thomas just to be too good to be true. Or perhaps he was cross that the others had witnessed something he hadn't been part of. And their joy just made it worse. Could we... Could we identify with that? A few weeks ago, there was a particularly good service, I'm told, at my church at Hassocks. Inspirational it was, apparently. I wasn't there because I was leading worship elsewhere. And by the time three different people had all told me what a wonderful service it was, my smile of appreciation was wearing a bit thin. The other disciples have this amazing cloud nine experience with the risen Jesus And poor Thomas has missed it. But even leaving that aside, Thomas is being asked to accept something incomprehensible, really. Jesus was there on the cross. Jesus was dead. Jesus was very dead. And now Thomas's friends are telling him that they've seen him alive. So it's hardly surprising that Thomas wants some proof. This is uh, John's Gospel, remember? And John is especially sympathetic to Thomas because it seems that John has been there himself. If we were to go uh, a little back before the reading, uh, we read today, verse 8, where Peter and another, generally thought to be John, go to the empty tomb. And we're told uh, in verse 8, finally, the other disciple, John, also went inside. He saw and believed. He saw and believed. And I suspect if we had been in that situation, uh, some of us would have been mentally where Thomas was. It isn't that Thomas is a willful disbeliever. There are some of those, but I don't think Thomas is one of them. It's just that he's got to work it through and learn to believe. And Jesus is very gentle with Thomas and he makes a point of bringing him into the fold when he appears again. Thomas, he says, come and and see for yourself. Stop doubting and believe. And how wonderful it is when that happens. When we feel we've been dealt with harshly. Or we've been left out of some experience others have shared. We go away and we stew on it and perhaps we nurse a sense of grievance and we feel unwanted and unloved. And maybe we even have bad thoughts about the person we identify as being responsible. And then we see that person again and they make a point of of greeting us warmly and inclusively. And that uh, bad feeling melts away. Have you ever been there? If I'm the only person who has ever felt that, I've just revealed to you what an insecure man I am. When Jesus goes on to say in verse 29, blessed are those who've not seen and yet believed, perhaps that's more a word of encouragement to us who who come later uh, than a rebuke to Thomas. 
We are blessed when without physically seeing the risen Jesus, we nevertheless do believe. And Thomas was ready for it. Thomas didn't actually need to take up Jesus' offer of putting his hand in the wound. Having made that leap of faith, Thomas is wholehearted in his acceptance. My Lord and my God, says Thomas. And if you look closely at John's Gospel, he is the first person in John's narrative uh, to look at Jesus and call him God. So Thomas... Thomas has got there. At that point, Jesus is to Thomas, the Son of God. Thomas's doubt led him to explore and believe, and through belief, to have faith. And that was the uh, point of the illustration with the tin of peaches. By exploring and inquiring, we were able to come to the firm conclusion uh, that the contents were indeed peaches. When doubt leads to stubbornness, stubbornness can be a barrier to faith. But when doubt leads to questions, questions invite answers, and answers can point the way to faith. It isn't the first time that Thomas has uh, sought further information. If we were to go back to John 14... Uh, when Jesus says he's going to his father's house to prepare a room, and then he says, uh, verse 4, chapter 14, you know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas says, well, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus tells him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Thomas's uh, question has elicited important further information from Jesus. Our second Bible passage from uh, Mark's Gospel refers to an earlier incident where Jesus is asked by a man to heal his son, who may have been epileptic. If you can do anything, take pity on us, says the man. If, replies Jesus, if everything is possible for him who believes. It doesn't mean that Jesus will by magic give us anything we ask but it does mean that with faith anything becomes possible and the man gives what I think is one of the most sincere and honest and understandable answers that Jesus ever received I do believe he says help my unbelief I do believe, help my unbelief. And it's a request that many of us might have echoed at some time or another. Once again, those lines by uh, Tennyson. There lives more faith in honest doubt, believe me, than in half the creeds. He fought his doubts and gathered strength. He would not make his judgment blind. He faced the spectres of the mind and laid them. Thus... He came at length to find a stronger faith, his own. He came at length to find a stronger faith, his own. <clears throat> As for uh, creeds, there are a number of uh, creeds. Uh, if you'd attended a service in the Church of England this morning, you'd be 
more likely to say one of the creeds, but we sometimes use creeds in our worship. The first creed I came across was the Nicene Creed. And I remember my Sunday school teacher telling me it had been written at a place called Nicaea. And Nicaea, he said, was so called because the first people who decided to settle there said to one another, it's Nicaea. I have to confess it's one of the few things I remember from Sunday school. There's nothing wrong in saying creeds, but we should say them because we believe, not to try to make us believe. So the whole uh, resurrection story is a complex interweave of seeing and believing, uh, or not believing without seeing, uh, and seeking and understanding and then believing. Like Thomas, we uh, may be seeking a personal encounter with the living Jesus. And we may need to pass through stages before we can fully comprehend the significance of that. And we can do that by reading the Bible, uh, by prayer, by coming to church on a Sunday, by joining uh, a study group, by uh, talking to uh, others we know and listening to the wisdom who've trodden listening to the wisdom of those who've trodden a path before us I first uh, joined a uh, study group uh, well I was in the Methodist church then it was called a class meeting I first attended a class meeting but it's what we now call home groups or study groups uh, and I was about 16 at the time and I was a very new Christian but within the trust of the group, I could ask some really silly questions, really naive questions. And I could listen to the gentle wisdom of the people who'd been there before me, the people who'd trodden the path, the people who perhaps had asked similar questions 20, 30, 40 years before. And by asking the questions, I got the answers I needed. But I still need to go on asking questions and get answers that lead me to a deeper faith. So I pray that we will continue to seek and that by seeking we may be led to a richer belief and that we may be led to a closer relationship with the risen Jesus. Amen. Amen.